Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. On today's episode, I will be going solo, um, answering some fan questions sent in via Twitter. And I'm going to be discussing some potential free agents, uh, Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors and Austin Reeves of the Los Angeles Lakers, and also a player under contract in Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. So let's go ahead and go right into this episode. This is going to be an episode where uh, I'm glad if you're listening on audio, that's that's great. But also, I think on visuals, it would, it would help out if you watch the video um, on YouTube, on our Project Spurs Network YouTube, just because there's going to be a lot of stats, a lot of financial information in here. I will, of course, present it here um, in audio format, but it's just easier on the eyes if you see a lot of what I've laid out here by doing some research over the last few days for these three questions. So I thank you all, uh, those of you that sent these questions in. And, and again, if you want to send some questions to me over the off season, uh, I will answer those questions over on my on my. Uh, on my Twitter on my Twitter page at uh, Paul Garcia NBA, and uh, if it's a really big financial question, I'll go ahead and take some time to research and dig into it, and then present it here on the Spurs Cast. Uh, if it's an answer that I think that a, a broad audience would, would like to hear, so let's go to begin with this first question. This was sent in via Twitter. This was from at um, Porto Wolves. Their question was, "How much is Van Vliet projected to get? Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors. I feel like he'd be a perfect fit. So first, let's look at the salary info for Fred Van Vliet." So he does have a player option coming up this offseason. So the uh, he has until June 15th to make that decision on a $22.8 million player option. So if he declines the player option, then yes, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. If he if he um, uh, exercises the player option, then he does stay on the Raptors for one more year. The next year, he would be a unrestricted free agent. So he is expected to, to decline this to try to seek more money in the offseason from either the Raptors or another team. So... The first thing is the first question is what is the max that he can receive right now? I don't think he's going to get this max, but let's just talk about what is the max. The most he can get in, in, a, in a deal is forty point two million. Again, we don't see him being a player who's going to get a max salary. But let's look at his past in terms of finances and, and where did he say no to from the Raptors? So according to Bobby Marks of ESPN, this past season the Raptors did offer Van Vliet a four-year extension of four years for one hundred fourteen million uh, in the past season, and that was for that would have been an average annual. Um, an average amount of 28.5 million. Now this coming summer, that would have kicked off in year one of that extension at 25.5 million. So we could ask, we could see two two ways for Van Vliet, his thought, his thought process here. Is he seeking more than that 25.5 million from a team or the Raptors? Or is he seeking even more than that, that average annual, which is 28.5 million? So maybe we're looking at, is he asking for like that 29 to a new deal in like 29 to $30 million of year one of his new deal? Or is he just trying to compete with some of the other point guards who got deals last summer, like someone like Jalen Brunson, who Bobby Marks mentioned, who, who started his new deal with the Knicks at $27.7 million. So that's the key question. I would say, what is he seeking? To answer your question, what is he projected to get? I think, I think what he's seeking is about 28 to like $30 million. Somewhere in that, in that range is where he's either looking for the Raptors to, to, to offer him that kind of deal or another team. Now, let's just say that the Spurs did, you know, they did want to sign um, – Fred Van Vliet, and again, I'm not reporting that there's any connection. There's been no reporting that the Spurs have any interest in him. But let's just say they did want to pursue him in free agency, and they do end up signing him to a deal that starts in the $29 million average range. 
what would happen is the Spurs could still have a lot of flexibility next summer in 2024 to still add another um, key player where they'd have $35.4 million in cap space, again, to either pursue a free agent next summer or even to trade for a player in this coming season. And that is with considering, let's say, that Devin Vassell signs an extension at $25 million. So again, financially, the Spurs would still have a lot of flexibility going forward with uh, Van Vliet on the team. Now, who is Van Vliet, and is he a good fit for the Spurs? Like your question asks, uh, he, you, you feel like he would be a perfect fit. So he is a one-time All-Star. He didn't make the, the All-Star team this past year, but he did make it in 2022. 21-22 uh, season. This season, he had a bit of a decline in some areas. So he averaged 19.3 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, 7.2 assists to two turnovers. So he's able to move the ball there for you. 1.8 assists. Uh, where we see, I mean, not, not 1.8 assists, 1.8 steals. Where we do see that he had a decline was on his twos. He only made 46% of his twos. So again, that, that's a troubling number there, showing that he's not, um, you know, he's not finishing very well at the rim or on, on if he's taking mid-rangers. It's, it's an inefficient number. You would like to see a lot of players, um, you know, over 50% from two. Uh, his his three point percentage was barely there at 34%, so he barely made the mark, um, you know, being over 33%. And then his free throw shooting is good, 90% on free throws. So if he signed a four year deal with the Spurs, this would take his he he would be um, starting at the age of 29 all the way to the age of 33 before that deal runs out. So we would see him start to like exit his prime years on this deal toward the latter half of that deal. And then also we do want to consider his height that he is a six one point. Um, and you know he's 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 good defense. He, he he you know he really puts a lot out there defensively. But again, he's always going to have that size disadvantage. And some teams may start to you know when they're playing against the Spurs, they may try to target him. Those kind of things. Uh, and so my question is, you know, going forward, how how far do the Spurs go with this squad? So again, let's say you have a foundation of Fred VanVleet, uh, Victor Wembanyama, Jeremy Sohan, and Devin Vassell. Those are your your key four players. Um, you could even throw Keldon Johnson there as well. But again, I don't know. You know, yeah, yeah let's just say Keldon's on that squad too. Still. So I'd still say, you know, in a typical season, I would say this is like a seven to like playing range team. But because of how, how much the West is like so close, we saw that teams were like in the four or three C were pretty close to like the, the, the playing range. Because if, if it's another kind of year like this past year, then I, I feel like they could be, you know, in there like five to like playing range kind of kind of area. Just because uh, if, if the West is so compacted together like they were this season, it's not like your typical seasons where there's like those top three, one to like five teams and and then everybody else below is kind of like um, you know uh, uh, juggling for positioning this year they were pretty close pretty much everyone so again I, again that'd be a good competitive team and and again the, the good thing is there would be some some flexibility for you because you'd have next summer to still chase a free agent or try to trade for a player on this squad so i, I don't know if the spurs though would fan bleats that player that they would want to invest in right off the bat and, and adding a victor one so i'm not sure if they would they would explore elsewhere in terms of um just going right out and try to pursue him. So again, if they want to try to win immediately and put a real competitive team on the floor of them. Yeah, maybe they do that real fast. But again, over the overall course of his deal, I don't know if he's going to be that player for San Antonio to kind of move the needle and get them back there. I, I don't basically, I don't see them going to title contention with, with Van Vliet as, as that player that they're adding um, uh, for this group. All right. So thank you at poor two wolves for, for sending in that question. Our next question is uh, comes from at AK Fort 44. Their question was, what would Jalen Brown to the Spurs look like? That seems like a quality match. Would Brown for Keldon and McDermott and a first move the needle? The nice part for Boston is that you don't have to take back full salary, which might lead to more flexibility. Okay, so there's a lot of information to go through here, and I do want to talk about the Supermax first before even answering this question because I feel like that's going to kind of answer a lot of our questions already just off the bat. So let's first go to the salary part, the salary portion. So Jalen Brown is under contract next season with the Celtics for $31.8 million. Now, because he made the all the uh, he's made two All Star teams and he made the All NBA team, the second team this current year, 
he is now Supermax eligible. So what that means is that starting from July to October, basically the first game before the regular season, the Celtics have the opportunity to sign him to a five-year extension worth $295 million, which averages out to $59 million per year. Uh, with Boston only, because again, he's, they want to try to retain him since he was the player that they drafted. And that begins with uh, next year with a with a $49.2 million cap hit, which is 35% of the cap uh, in year one of the extension. So basically the way to, the way to, the way to explain what the um, bonuses of making the Supermax means compared to just being a, a, you know, a normal all-star or normal all-NBA player and, and just trying to get a max. Because Jalen Brown's only going to have seven to nine years of experience in the league, the most the Celtics or any team could usually offer him is just 30% of the cap, which is about $42.2 million next year. But because he made these, he's super max eligible by making multiple All-Stars and an All-NBA team, he can actually get paid like a veteran who's been playing 10-plus years in the league. So that's 35% of the cap. So we see, so that's already a difference. Just Let's just say in free agency next year, that's a difference of $7 million off the bat from 42.2, his what he'd normally get, compared to now 49.2 as a super max um, eligible player. So... Uh, if he does sign the Supermax, then he this question is pretty much over because he can't be traded for one year from the signing date. So let's say he signs in July, then he can't be traded until next July. Or let's say he signs in October, he can't be traded until next October. So again, if if he ends up signing the Supermax, I think that, yeah, Boston has has interest in, in keeping him uh, on the team for, for the future. Maybe not all five years. Maybe after like two or three years, they do look at maybe trying to trade him if it's not working out. Um, just my opinion, I do think because of how they've battled back, and, and I am recording this on a Monday afternoon, and they are going to play Game 7 against the uh, the Heat tonight, uh, I do think they are going to end up just offering them that Supermax. I mean, you're not going to – I don't think there's a free agent out there or a player they can trade for that's going to bring them the quality of production that Jalen Brown does that's going to keep them as a title contender. I just don't see any player out there that's going to replace what Brown does for them. Having Brown and, and Jason Tatum alongside each other has just been a really good team for, for, these, for this group. Now they haven't won a title yet. But again, we don't know what's going to happen tonight. Maybe they, they go all the way back to the NBA Finals and end up uh, being a back-to-back Finals team. So, again, I, I personally think that they're going to offer him that Supermax. He's going to sign it, and then this is pretty much this question's over. But let's say that that doesn't happen. Let's say that the Celtics don't want to offer him all of that money because we know that, you know, in this new CBA, there are going to be penalties for teams that are above the, um, the, the second luxury tax area uh, apron. So if there's no Supermax, then next summer he would enter free agency with uh, where a team could offer him a max of $42.2 million in cap space, which is 30% of the cap. So the trade questions, again, this is a scenario where Boston says no on, on offering Brown that Supermax, is most likely just to make salaries where Calvin Johnson is likely included. Again, the Celtics getting, are getting a, a young player, um, you know, 20 point, point per game score now uh, is likely included. But what if Boston wants one of the Spurs young players? What if they want somebody like Malachi Branham, somebody like Jeremy Sohan? Obviously, I think when it's Sohan's name, they're gonna the Spurs are gonna say no. But if it's Branham, do the Spurs, you know, how, how much do the Spurs think about this or do they immediately say no? Also, the question is how many how many draft picks would this would the Celtics want? We saw Rudy Gobert go uh, get traded to Minnesota for four four first round picks uh, recently in the last two years. And so what if the how many draft picks are the Spurs gonna ask? Are they gonna ask for four and and Keldon? Uh, and Branham, you know, that, that's the question, I think. So I think there's two questions for both franchises. The question for Boston, Boston is, do the Spurs have a player or players they're willing to trade to Boston that keeps Boston in title contention? Because, again, if, if, if you're going from Jalen Brown to Kelton Johnson, again, I don't think Boston's um, no longer a title contender. But is there a young player that the Celtics want that the Spurs aren't willing to part with? I think that's, the, that's one of the key questions. Do the Spurs have those players on their roster that can keep the Celtics as a title contender? And the question for San Antonio is, when do the Spurs say no 
uh, when Boston asked for young prospects. So again, where who's that young draft pick that the Spurs recently added that the, that the Spurs say no, this deal's over. Like you know, is it Sohan? Is it Malachi Branham? Those that, that those kind of questions come come to mind. And then also, how many draft picks is too much? So we know that the Spurs, um, you know, they they have all those draft assets they've made over the last few years in terms of their rebuilding. But now that they have Wimbanyama, that question's been answered in terms of who's their their, their foundational piece. But do they want to give away all those uh, future assets? To, to bring in Jalen Brown when they could still use those in future trades or, or to add some young players. So I think those are the two questions for these franchises. I just, my take, I, I, if Boston wants to be a title contender, I just don't think that they would look at the Spurs as a team to keep them there uh, if, in terms of them losing Brown. So I, I again, I don't know. If, if they want to rebuild, uh, you know, while starting to trying to stay competitive, then yes, I think the Spurs are a good match for them because they can get all those future draft picks from San Antonio while getting a, a, a young established um, player in Kelton Johnson, who's up and coming. Now, let's just say that a hypothetical trade happened. So, uh, again, I don't know the pieces in it, but, but I, I just know the foundation is probably going to be like, like held into Boston with some draft picks and then um, Brown to San Antonio. The Spurs could still have a lot of flexibility next summer where they could still have $40 million in cap space in 2024 20, with Vassell and a $25 million extension. So this team could have a foundation of, of Jalen Brown, uh, Devin Vassell, Victor Wimbanyama, and then a Jeremy Sohan, and you're also being... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Able to add uh, in free agency next summer with $40 million in cap space. You can add an impact player or you can even trade for a player as well. So again, I think that in terms of uh, going straight into to being a title contender, this helps you way more if you're able to add a player like Jalen Brown. Um, so what are Brown's stats? Who is he as a player? He is a two-time All-Star, like I mentioned. He made the second team All-NBA for the first time this past season. He's averaging 26.6 points this year, 6.9 rebounds, three three and a half assists, 2.9 turnovers, and then 1.1 steals. He's shot great from two-point range, and finishes well at the rim, 58% on twos, 34% on threes, and then 77% on free throws. He's 6'6", and then uh, if he signed the Supermax to Boston, then he's under contract with them from age of 26 to 31. If he were to get traded to the Spurs and then sign a, a sign a extension with San Antonio, that would uh, he would he would uh, be 26 to 30 on on year four on on a four year uh, deal, and so he's still in the prime of his career. So again, uh, how good are the Spurs with Brown and Wemby together? I think that they would be really good. I think that now we're talking about a top four West team because you're adding an established All Star, established All NBA level player, while giving Wemby four years to grow along that side of alongside that player. Not only Wemby. But Kelton, but uh, Devin Vassell, and also uh, Jeremy Sohan. Again, I think that that becomes more if you're if you're San Antonio, you're trying to get straight back to the title contention. That that's that's a deal where that really helps you get there faster because uh, you're getting an established player in Jalen Brown who who doesn't have. I know he has some uh, some liabilities on offense, but aside, but you know he's just an established player who re who's really helped Boston. I mean, and we seem like like again they got to the NBA Finals last year with Boston with Brown and Tatum, and then this year they're going into Game Seven, forcing that, and if they win, they can end up going back to the Finals back to back years. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but again, I just think that because of what this this scenario they where Boston it did battle back in at least four games seven, I think that they are going to end up giving Brown that extension. And maybe if they need to trade him down down the road, they have five years to look at that trade. And and again, he's still going to be in all five years of that deal. He's still going to be in the prime of his career. So I don't think he's ever going to be a, a negative uh, a player on, on that deal for for um for a team that wants to trade for him. So maybe in the future, 
if Brown ends up signing that extension with Boston, maybe down the road, if the boss, if Boston has some issues the next two or three years, then maybe San Antonio could still look at, at um, try to trade for him when he's still in the prime of his career again, that age range of 20, 26 to 30. So uh, that's my that's that's answering the question. Thank you for sending that in uh, regarding Jalen Brown. All right, and the next the next um, topic is not really a question. It's more hypothetical that I've seen, um, not really seen. I've seen, I've heard on a different podcast from national outlets, and even one of our own Project Spurs writers, um, Matt Lerma, wrote, wrote an article about this uh, player. And this is Austin Reeves. He had a really good playoff run with the Los Angeles Lakers. If you watched him, he was basically like the third best player in a lot of the series. Uh, and just a lot of different national outlets. I know just Bill Simmons comes to mind. Um, have just offered uh, the Spurs as one of those teams with cap space. So there's again, there's been no substantial reporting that says. The Spurs are going to target Austin Reeves this offseason, but they fall into that group of teams with cap space like the Rockets and some other teams that could try to sign, uh, send an offer sheet to Reeves and, and restricted free agency and try to pry him away from the Los Angeles Lakers because we, we see that when I get into the stats, how he's a young player who's really developing and, and you know, who knows how, how much better he can be with more opportunity when he's not behind LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis. So again, that's kind of where, where this topic comes into question of Austin Reeves. So let's first get into the salary info. And there is a lot here because of um, one, of, one of the specific NBA rules uh, regarding Austin Reeves. So he is only a restricted free agent for $2.2 million qualifying offer with the Lakers. And uh, with the, so for the Lakers, they have two different they – have, they have some routes here that they have to take. Because he's only been uh, with them for two years, he has what's called early bird rights. Now, that means that they can only sign him to a max deal of four years, $53 million, um, which is about $13.3 million average, uh, average annual unless they will open up cap space, which would require them to let go multiple free agents that they have, um, like D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, a few others. So they would have to, if they wanted to give Reeves just them, sign him outright, they would have to, again, either offer him that four years, 53 million, which I think he's going to get more in the open market at 13 million, 13 million, or they would have to open cap space, let free agents go, and then use that cap space to get a number that, that he would want. Now, what if teams send an offer sheet? If the teams like the Spurs or the Rockets or somebody else send an offer sheet to Reeves, then a, a, a rule comes into place uh, called the Arenas Rule. And I, I want to give credit to Bobby Marks of ESPN. He had a lot of info on this and really explained it very well if you read his work. Uh, the Arenas Rule kicks into place. So what this does is this gives a team like the Lakers, who only had early bird rights on Reeves, the ability to match any offer sheet that Reeves gets. So outside teams can offer Reeves still a big deal. You know, his max in year one would be $32.5 million but they can't offer those first two years at that level. They can only offer him 105% um, of the average salary. So basically, let's just say the Spurs send Reeves a four-year offer sheet, and uh, they want to do it at, um, at $80 million. So that's, that's basically $20 million per season for, for Reeves. The way this will work, and again, this is according to Bobby Marks, is year one of the deal, it's, uh, he, gets, he gets a low number, $11.4 Then year two, it's $11.9 Then in years three and four is when you make up that, that difference and you backload the contract. So in year three, he ends up getting $28.4 million. And then in year four, he ends up getting $28.4 million, which when you put it all together, it makes it an $80 million deal. Now, that's the number that has been floated by different outlets is that $20 million is what, what probably we're going to see Reeves get in the offseason from either the Lakers or another team. So that's why I, I you know that number is there being used. And so, again, that's, that's how the Spurs or any other team with Caspies can't get involved here is they can really um, put pressure on the Lakers and saying, yeah, you know, we're going to offer them a, you know, this, this, this offer sheet and are you willing to match? And I think that here's the big questions that come into mind is, what number makes the Lakers say no? Is it twenty million per year for Reeves? Is it twenty-five? Is it you know twenty-eight? You know where 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 does the team get to that makes the Lakers hesitant to say you know we want to match this? Because like I mentioned, they have those those uh, the new CBA does have those those penalties for teams that go above the second luxury tax apron. 
also what this might get easier for outside teams like the Spurs if they want to get Reeves, if the Spurs, if the Lakers decide that they want to add a third star like Kyrie Irving. Again, if they want to add Kyrie or, or you know, another star, then they would either have to create cash space to sign him outright, which means letting Reeves and multiple free agents go and also making some trades, or they would have to try to do a sign and trade package uh, with the Dallas Mavericks or whatever other team that that player is going to the Lakers. So again, and that's probably saying bye to, to Reeves if you're the Lakers. So again, if the Lakers pursue another player with, with um, more star, star quality like like Kyrie Irving, then I think that, yeah, that makes that question easier of prying away Reeves from the Lakers. But if they don't, then uh, that the next question is, you know, where do the Lakers say no in those negotiations of, of uh, matching an offer sheet? And we got to remember, too, that it's a shorter window. It went from, I think, 48 hours in the uh, new CBA to now 24 hours where, where the Lakers would have to say yes or no on whether or not they're going to match the offer sheet. And then let's just say that the uh, Spurs were to send an offer sheet to, to Reeves. The Lakers say no, they don't match it, and he ends up being on the Spurs. Th then my question is, you know, how, how does that impact Keldon Johnson? Because we know that Reeves is more so like a two, and, and Keldon kind of plays that two, three range. You're still going to keep a sell, so he's going to play, you know, your two or three as well there on the wing. And so I, I would say, do the Spurs still, they don't have to trade Keldon, but do they still try to move him so that way they, they have more opportunity for Reeves? Or do they just throw out a lineup where, like, Reeves runs the point? Because we saw in the playoffs that, Reeves can run a lot of pick and roll. He was very efficient player doing that for the Lakers against all three of the, their, their Western Conference opponents in the playoffs. And so maybe the Spurs just throw out like, you know, not a traditional point guard uh, lineup where they have like Reeves, um, Devin Vassell, Keldon, Sohan, and Wemby. So again, there's all sorts of um, flexibility the Spurs can, can, can have uh, when you add a player like Reeves. Stats-wise, where, where, uh, who is Reeves as a player? So this season, he averaged 13 points uh, in the regular season, three rebounds, 3.4 assists, shot great numbers, 53% shooting on, on twos, 40%. I mean, this is just an overall, should I say? 53% from the floor, 40% on uh, threes, and 86% on on um, on free throws. Then in the playoffs, we saw his averages bump up where he really, um, like I said, he was like basically the third best player for the Lakers in a lot of those series. 16.9 points per game in the playoffs, 4.4 rebounds, 4.6 assists. 46% shooting from the floor, so his his um his 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 uh, numbers on twos did go down a little bit. Shot better from three, 44% on threes, and then 90% from the free throw line. And then just in the Western Conference Finals alone, we saw that 21 points, five assists there against Denver. Uh, Reeves was was again being being a player that helped kept helped keep the Lakers close in those games, even though they ended up getting swept. Um, so, yeah, and they lost that series. And then again. The good thing about a contract for him, whether it's in the four-year, you know, four-year range, is that he's going to be in the prime of his career. He's still developing. He's only 25, and so by the time this deal ends, he's only going to be 29. He'll still be in the prime of his career, and he is 6'5". And so, there's two ways to look at if the Spurs were to get a player like Reeves. I, I, I am actually for this move. If this, if you're San Antonio, I think this is a good option for you. Where, uh, let's just ask that first question: With Reeves, Wemby, Vassell, and Sohan as your foundation, how far can the Spurs go? So there, I think they're still more so like like what I said with, with Van Vliet. They're like that seven to like playing range. I, again, I don't think they're quite there yet, you know, to be one of those top teams out West. But it's because of the flexibility in, in Reeves' deal that really gives San Antonio a good chance to get up to, um, you know, contention level in years three and four or in, in, you know, years one and two or three and four of this deal. So the reason why is because they would have a lot of flexibility financially to add a player in free agency, um, you sign the player outright or even trade for a player uh, on a team currently. Why? Because because of that, those low numbers by of Reeves' first two years of his deal. He, again, in year one, he would only make $11.4 million. In year two, $11.9 million. And then in years three and four is when his salary balloons up to almost $29 million. So that, again, you would have to take advantage of those first two years to try to add some players uh, to your team if you're San Antonio in this case. So let's just say that they added Reeves um, in an offer sheet, so he's making 11.4 this season. The Spurs still have a lot of flexibility cap-wise. They could have $20 million 
to $27 million still in cap space this summer to either, again, either sign a free agent or trade a pl- trade, trade for a player. And then next summer, again, Reeves is only making in year two uh, $11.9 million. The Spurs could have up to $52 million in cap space. And this is assuming that Devin Vassell has already signed his, his extension, maybe which I'm projecting to be like around the $25 million range. So again, you have $52 million to, again, go out and, and pursue a max level free agent, or you could at least... Um, try to trade for a player that's on that's on a team uh as well so again there's there's a lot of flexibility in these first two years for the spurs if they were to add reeves to continue to make a pretty good team out there uh before reeves's uh, contract balloons in years three and four and i know that 29 million 28 million sounds like a lot in years three and four when i say balloons but it's really not when the when the cap's going to continue to go up so i think that so out of all three of these deals um, you know, that, that, that I discussed today, again, I, I would say if I had to rank them, I would say, you know, you go after Jalen Brown, if you can, I don't think that's going to happen just because I think Boston's going to offer him the supermax. Number two, I'd say, yes, I think Reeves is a good, uh, uh, a choice to pursue in terms of free agency. If the Spurs can pry him away from the Lakers, because he's young, he's, 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 he's showing too. I think one thing to give credit to Reeves is that he showed on the biggest stage in the playoffs that he can be an impactful player. And I think that's, that's a key takeaway is that we really saw in the playoffs that, that he really uh, came through. Now, the last player in terms of, um, you know, if I had to rank these deals, again, I would say third is, is Van Vliet, just because, again, he's getting older. He's already at 29. When he when he signs this new deal, he's he's got the um, the height disadvantage at, at 6'1". And, again, I don't know if he really moves the needle for you, whereas Reeves and, and Reeves gives you that financial flexibility to continue to make your team better. And Brown is just already a, an established player, an all-NBA-level player that would immediately um, uh, have an impact on your team. So again, those are um, just my thoughts uh, on this episode. It wasn't, again, it wasn't, it wasn't a, well, actually it ended up being pretty, pretty long here. Just me talking <laughs> anyway, but, but hopefully that answered your questions. And again, it gives you a lot of background info in the event that we start to see this summer that the Spurs are interested in Austin Reeves or the Spurs want to try to trade for Jalen Brown or interested in Fred Wembley. We have some more. Now you can come back to this episode and you can look at all the financials in terms of how it's going to work out and who those players are. So to close this episode out, I want to say thank you all for listening to this episode. If you would like me to answer a question during the offseason, please send your questions to at Paul Garcia NBA on Twitter. Uh, one of my favorite things to do this offseason is get a question that I don't immediately know the answer to and actually have to research it. I really like doing that, with, especially when it comes to financial stuff, um, stats-wise. Those are really interesting interesting questions for me. So I really that's one thing I really enjoy about the offseason is just getting to do the research and then presenting it to you all um, in, in a broad way here. I also want to say thank you to Joe Garcia for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe. And have a great day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.